Okay, it, it's Sunday morning. Um, it's like half nine. I am in my onesie. I have my cup of green tea. I've just eaten my breakfast. And I thought I'd sit down and watch a nice, calm ice hockey game for a Sunday morning. Breakfast in bed. You know, my usual drill. So, uh, Toronto versus Philadelphia. Uh, I've hit pause on the game at the moment um, because I literally feel sick. Um, I may actually end up seeing my tofu breakfast again because it is so freaking tense. So it went through all the way to overtime and three all. And I have currently just watched the first 11 rounds of the penalty shootout, uh, of which pretty much nobody scored until, what was it, round nine, where both teams scored. And then no one scored in round 10 and we're about to take round 11. And uh, I genuinely feel like I'm so stressed right now that I don't know which way this is going to go. So uh, I'm just going to hit play and uh, you get to share this little moment with me. What I can tell you right now is on my uh, play bar, uh, I am currently at four hours and five minutes in to this. And I can see that the actual feed goes on until five hours 11 now, I'm not quite sure how many rounds of like penalty shootout there can actually be in an NHL game, but I really don't think I could stand another hour of penalties taken. <sighs> JVR has just taken uh, a penalty against uh, his former goalie um, and missed, thank God. Every time I see little James Van Riemsdyk's face, I feel a little bit heartbroken. I still miss him. <sighs> okay. So Philadelphia Flyers are about to take uh, their penalty and it is round 11. Freddie's ready and I can't even begin to look at who on earth uh, the Flyers have put up. Here goes. Ivan Provorov, wide in on Anderson. Oh, denied. Well, the goaltenders are dialed in, aren't oh they? Oh my God. They just haven't taken any of the bait, have they? They've been staying calm and not overreacting. Literally, I feel sick. Andreas Janssen. Oh, my God. number 11 for Toronto. And yes! Oh, my God! Oh, my God! As you've just heard from my epic intro, it's been a delightful weekend to be a Toronto Maple Leafs fan and uh, it's not very often that I get to say that on this season. Uh, I've calmed down from uh, the frantic screaming and uh, my neighbours were slightly concerned at why I was um, screaming in my flat early on Sunday morning. Uh, but, you know, you can't, you can't, you can forgive me for being a bit excited because uh, it's not very often that we get games like that. 
in uh, October, November in the NHL. Let's face it. Um, On the menu this week, we are talking about that penalty shootout. We're also talking uh, Dustin Bufflin. What on earth are the Winnipeg Jets going to do? We're talking Oilers and general catch-up of stuff happening across the league. And as per two uh, messages from our listeners, I have some fantastic NHL trivia to continue my bizarre stats facts and my uh, to feed the geekiness that I have and love about this sport um, so you don't have to send the hate mail to me you can send it to them because it's their trivia not mine and let me just tell you it is utterly cheesy now a man who absolutely uh, backs me on trivia and stats uh, is James Reeve and he happens to be on the podcast again how's it going James are you have you calmed down from that epic weekend <laughs> certainly it's good to see the the Leafs get a win in such dramatic fashion yeah exactly so to remind people you are a Leafs fan but it just so happens that you kind of write about the Ottawa Senators and Arizona Coyotes right uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Anything to report on them? How are they getting on? Um, well, Arizona are having a great start to the season. Um, they're in a bit of a funny situation because you look at the standings and they're sixth in the Pacific, but they've played fewer games than pretty much every team ahead of them, including Calgary, who have played four games more, which is uh, interesting. And Calgary are only one point above Arizona, so should be seeing them leapfrogging a lot of teams over the next few weeks when they start to catch up on games played. Cool. Okay, well, if we just kind of recap where we are in the season right now, some people might be listening to this podcast a bit out of sync. Maybe you're like a few weeks behind or something. But right now as it stands, I look at the NHL League, it has the obvious candidates who we'd think we'd see at the top. Washington Capitals, Boston Bruins are absolutely tanking the start of this season, both of them. But then in the third spot, it's Edmonton Oilers. Now there's a team we didn't expect to see and I'm wondering how uh, Tom Parker is feeling about this uh, start to the season. Is it is it a fluke? Or are you actually quite good, Tom? Oh, I don't know. Um, I'm normally an optimist. I started this season with probably being the most uh, pessimistic I've ever been about the Oilers, but uh, they've proven me wrong so far. But um, I'm sure we'll get on to it later. I've, I've got some concerns, but uh, for the moment, I'm happy yeah. enough. <laughs> I mean, everybody in this sport knows Leon Dreisaitl, Conor McDavid. They're names that are just, they've become household names when it comes to ice hockey, haven't they? And it's no surprise they're both in the top five. Um, but some interesting um, records that were um, topped this weekend. Um, Mike Smith made those 51 saves. Um, the overtime winner against Pens on Saturday. 51 saves. And I was reading... Um, that's the most in a game by a goaltender. Um, sorry, I'm saying like the wrong goalie, aren't I? Um, what am I even on about? Oh, no, I am saying Mike Smith. Why did I yeah. doubt myself? <laughs> I was thinking, <laughs> oh my God, it's because he's the backup. That's what's confusing me. But 51 saves. Hang on, here's the stat. I get the right freaking stat. Too shy of the most by an NHL goaltender in a regular season game versus Pittsburgh. Um which was set by Montreal's Wayne Thomas over 45 years ago. I mean, if you were Mike Smith, you're going to be pretty damn happy right now, aren't you? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I, I think you picked up a few weeks ago that there was one game and I, I was really not happy with Mike Smith. So uh, so I think the fact that he's pulling out performances now like that are, uh, are really good. But again, it, it just um, it, it, it leads you down the path of thinking maybe maybe it's uh, not as good as it looks for the Oilers because really that was a game that we had no right to win. It was great goaltending and, and you know, just getting the getting the result over the line that that, uh, that did it for us there. But um, but again, it's uh, it's performances coming from the unexpected places. So uh, let's hope it let's hope it keeps on going that way. I think sometimes having a bit of unexpected joy is nice because if there's one thing that we are probably spoilt with with Toronto is that there is quite a lot of expectation being a Toronto fan that you expect them to do well. And what was really frustrating about that game on Saturday, like really sorry to harp on about it, but last week we were talking on this podcast about looking at shots on goal figures, for instance, and I uh, stayed up and watched the first period live. And at the end of the first period, Philadelphia Flyers had only put one shot on goal. You know, one shot on goal and then it went all the way through to an 11 round penalty shootout. Um, So Toronto had that in their hands in, in the first period and the second period, the thing that cost them again was penalties. So there's there's no surprises there. It's just painful. I don't know if you feel the same, James. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about the Leafs not starting games on time under Mike Babcock. It was a problem last season where they just kind of looked off their game for the first five, ten minutes of almost every single game. And it seems to be creeping into this season as well where they're just getting beaten or being pushed much further than they should be right out of the gate. And something's got to change to really kick that on. Mm. Well, let's just have a quick bounce around what else is happening across the league. And then I want to get into Oilers with you, Tom. Um, Some great streaks that are happening at the moment. New York Islanders, nine game win streak. Um, uh, You know, they're making franchise history. Um, They had a great season last year, didn't they? Kind of uh, bubbling in the background when they were expected to tank pretty much. Do we think that they have a chance of uh, making the playoffs? I would say yes. I mean, Lou Lamarillo, I mean, he just does things that really helps franchises turn around. I mean, we saw the success he had with the Devils for so long, came into the Leafs and really helped build that team and turn it around and now seems to be working miracles with the Islanders. Um, I don't know if it will uh, continue, but I mean, right now they look they look pretty good, but We'll see if they become this year's Buffalo Sabres or not. Mm. Well, they sit fifth in the league. Um, you know, they're only just below St. Louis Blues, so it's not necessarily a bad place. And Buffalo as well. Um, they have uh, snapped their their win streak. They've just lost the last two games, but they're still sit at seventh, twenty points. Again, another another surprise. What what's also um, we should have dropped Andy, our Canucks fan, a message because Vancouver are right up there too. They're in sixth. Uh, they won their last game um, over the weekend with twenty points. These are all teams that we kind of had just uh, well, none of us were really putting forwards for um, potential Stanley Cup winners in our crazy predictions at all. No, certainly not. And I mean. It's always nice to see some teams surprise right out of the gate. I mean, 
even like the Anaheim Ducks, I mean, they got rid of Corey Perry, he's gone to the Stars, and they're third in the Pacific, and they're looking pretty good. Obviously, they've got John Gibson, who's like a real sturdy goaltender for them. Um, and then you've got teams like the Wild, who are just, they just can't seem to put things together, even though on paper they've got quite a strong team. Mm. Yeah, I'm just a... Uh... I knew I knew I'd written it down somewhere, but Canucks had got a streak without a regulation loss of seven games, um, which is mad. And then the good omen that I think that we've become, whenever we have uh, Matt Day, the Dallas fan, on the podcast, Dallas seemed to kind of have a bit of a turn of luck because they've now won five out of their last six games. And he was only harping on and moaning about how awful they were uh, when we had him on before. So maybe we are his lucky omen. Um St. Louis Blues are back on form, so they've put together four wins. Um, everybody was kind of thinking was last year a fluke, but if uh, if the glove fits, you know, it seems to be working. Have you kind of, um, have you played St. Louis Blues yet, Tom? Uh, not that I recall, actually. No, no, uh, I don't think we have, no. Yeah, interesting, interesting team to see whether they, get, they keep it all going. It's all like on... Um, Oh, one of the articles they put, because it feels like their celebrations are like never ending with this Stanley Cup thing. The team had got like this weird, I don't even know what to describe it. It's like, a, I mean, it's not something you're going to put on your mantelpiece. It's like a kind of weird trophy that they got made for Craig Berube. Um, Google it. It's It was really weird. But you know when you kind of just think, oh, come on, guys, it's a new season now. Stop with the celebrations. Get over it. You've had it now. But that that was that was June. Move on. I'm bored of it. It's almost like it. Um, it looked like a patch that you would have like on a jersey to comm- a jersey to commemorate like winning it. But it's something that you would hang up in like your your garage or something. Yeah, like if you had a if you had a bar in the garage, yeah, with all neon lights and stuff like that. That's probably where you'd put it. But I just thought it was weird. I wonder what he thought. I wonder if you know like when you get a really bad Christmas present. And you just kind of nod and smile and say, that's lovely. And then you kind of put it away. And then in a few years' time, you hope that you can give it to somebody else for their Christmas present. To be fair, I think he probably feels really good about it because of the achievement. So he's probably just like, yeah, give me everything that you got. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, I haven't actually seen any updates, but um, Boston and Ottawa's game uh, the other night, uh, it was a horrific injury uh where scott uh Saborin was taken off the ice and all the players left the bench to to go over um as he was carried off in a stretcher um to kind of pay their respects to him and it it, it uh, i think the send said that um he was uh speaking and he was getting treatment in hospital um but it looked like pretty scary and obviously um i forget the name of the the bruins player now um had to leave the game so, um yeah um it was pretty brutal so scott sabarin essentially it was a nothing play as well he went to finish his check on david Backus and just collided with his head at a really awkward angle fell down and hit the ice face first um for he's posted a picture of himself on his instagram page the team's uh, official Twitter account and social media accounts earlier today said that he's back in Ottawa now, um, recovering. He's going to be watched over by the team's medical staff, but 
he seems in pretty good spirits. Um, he's quite cut up around his eye, uh, bruising and swelling and lumps and things like that. But um, he is probably going to be in concussion protocol for a while um, based on just the impact of the initial hit and then hitting the ice. And David Backus, um, who didn't really do anything, he just was too strong for Sabarin in that situation. He he left the game inconsolable at um, what had happened and didn't actually return. Like that's how that's how shook up he was. So he wasn't well, sent off then. No, he he chose to leave. Yeah. Um, because I mean, Backus had the puck and passed the puck, and Sabarin was the one that tried to hit him but hit him at an awkward angle and came off far worse from it. It's just a bad hit gone wrong. Yeah, essentially. And, I mean, Sabrin was down on the ice for like 11 minutes, um, receiving treatment, being looked at. Obviously, both sets of teams, players, left the bench and gave him stick taps as he was um, taken off the ice. But Bacchus had to leave the game and didn't return. Um, because he was so shaken up about seeing what had happened on really what was such an innocuous uh, moment. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to even comprehend that, but that's the nature of the game, I suppose, that these players know that it could happen at any time, really. A puck to the face, a bad hit. It's just there's just so many ways. It's it's a dangerous sport. It brings it back home, doesn't it? That it is a dangerous sport, and in a way, that's why we love it. But that's also why we kind of don't in that in that sense. Yeah, and I mean Sabarin. This is his first ever season actually playing in the NHL. He was like a career AHL sort of player, and his whole style of game is his physicality and willingness to be that like Matt Martin sort of player that the Leafs had when they entered their rebuild. So, I mean, for him, he was always going to be putting himself in those sort of positions, but it was just a really awkward angle that he connected with Bacchus. And unfortunately it's ended up with him having quite a serious injury. Mm. Has, uh, has Bacchus come out and said anything to, to the media? Don't actually um, know. Uh, Boston are playing. I was think I was looking earlier. Boston playing tonight. Uh, when I'm not thinking? entirely sure. Um, I mean, it's possible. I haven't seen back Boston are playing Pittsburgh tonight. Um, uh, we're recording this on Monday, the 4th of November. Um, well, one to watch anyway to see see what, what happens, really. I mean, I'm trying to think um, of the name of the guy. I'm oh, just going to have to Google it. Go on, um, say. So apparently Bacchus actually got injured on that play. Really? Yeah. Um, he left the game um, and he's expected to miss two games. So oh. Bacchus, who took the hit, has suffered an upper body injury and then Sabrin's out for a while. Um, I, I do wonder if, if him missing those games is more for his sight-like mental well-being than anything um mm. which I w it wouldn't surprise me after seeing how how shaken up he was um after after that hit um but if he is hurt by it as well then 
such a nothing play as resulted in two guys getting hurt. Mm. A few years ago, I interviewed this guy called Brad Rubachuk, and he was uh, an ice hockey player for Manchester Storm back in the Super League days. Um, this is like going back to the late 90s. He was a player, but he came back to do um, to his jersey was being retired. And he played for years, actually, um, scored loads of goals, was like one of the top players in the team. But it was a, a freak collision that happened Um with another player, Paxton Schulte, um, who people will know. Um, and it was a, a collision that just, you know, wrong time, wrong place. And he ended up breaking his neck and um, had to get carted off. And that ended his career. Um, and yeah, just the relationship that he then had with, uh, with Paxton many years later, because Paxton obviously knew that, he'd finished Ruby's career um yeah it's like it's, it's I suppose it shows when they're human really doesn't it um there isn't it's not really that kind of goon league anymore does it and even even in the Bruins who would expect them to be um you know a bit goony it's not it's not like that it's um be interesting to see what Bach says in uh in interviews in the next few weeks and what happens next yeah, I mean, it, it really shows like the human side of things because, I mean, obviously everyone comments about the way players like conduct themselves on the ice, like this Lucic situation that's come up recently. And then you get situations like this where you can just really see like, well, the, these, are, these are people that have feelings and can be affected by things mm. on the ice. Um, well, let's just pick up on the Lucic stuff um, because I've just watched it um, and James heard me watching it. Um, Calgary Flames forward basically has been suspended for two games. It came out yesterday, I think, uh, for roughing uh, Cole Sherwood um, uh, in the game against Columbus on Saturday. Um, he's basically got a, a forfeit, sixty, nearly $65,000 dollars. Um, for these two games, but it was brutal. It kind of like, well, I think actually, James, you can explain it better than me. But I mean, I was like, I I want to see that punch slow mo initially. Like, wow! But then the story behind it is unbelievable. Yeah, so, I mean, um, Sherwood he jumps off the bench and he manages to strip the puck, um, takes the puck and has a good shot on goal and then I believe it's Rittich, uh, the goalie for the Flames, covers the puck and Sherwood has a bit of a jab at it uh, the play gets whistled dead and then pretty much like out of nowhere Lucic just launches and just punches Sherwood straight in the face. Um, you see his elbow rise in the air to like, he's got plenty of space hasn't he, to pull his arm back to push it forwards. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like almost like a straight up Superman punch, the way he flew through the air to connect with him. And I mean, in a situation like that, yeah, you'd expect some shoving, some some words and stuff. But a punch like that was just unacceptable, really. And it's, it's unsurprising that he's been given this two game ban. Yeah, but you were saying about Sherwood and how um, is this what his first game in the NHL 
Uh, first game this season. Um, oh, okay. He played two games for Columbus last year, but um, at least according to Elite Prospects, this was the first game he featured in, and he gets punched in the face by Milan Lucic. So, welcome to the show. Could you imagine that, like your first day at work, and uh, <laughs> you get punched by uh, one of the big boys? Be awful, wouldn't it? That'd be like the worst first day at, at school ever. At least in hockey, he gets taken to a box and told to cool down for two minutes. <laughs> yeah, you go the naughty step. That's what happens. Um, Tom, tell me about where we're at with the Oilers. What, what is actually happening with the Oilers? Why are you good? I've no idea, to be honest. I think having uh, some two players like uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl makes all the difference. Obviously, if you've got uh, two of the, you know, arguably the top five players in the league in your team, then uh, you're going to benefit from that. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, not entirely sold on our chances yet, and it's literally because I, there's just not a lot of scoring coming from other places. There's McDavid, Dreisaitl, James Neal, who uh, we were just talking about, Milan Lucic. It's a little bit of a shot that the Oilers have actually won a trade for once by the look of it. But um, but um, there's not a lot of scoring coming from other areas. And it was incredible an incredible stat last week that um, when Kyra scored against Columbus, I think it was, it was the first time that the... Uh, a member of the bottom six had scored for the Oilers all season. They'd gone 14 games without a single goal from the bottom six. And so that really is where my concern comes from because you can rely on McDavid and Dreisaitl to an extent, but if one of those gets injured, if somebody drops off in form, where's the scoring coming from? And uh, and that really is the concern. Um, really happy with the goaltending. The, the defence is playing really well. We've got the top lines who are scoring pretty well, but um, but really it's just are you getting that scoring throughout the team? And the answer is no at the moment. So very happy with the start, but just want to see a bit more from certain individuals on the team. <laughs> Sounds basically like Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's just, uh, it- it's it's one of those. It's, you know, you've, the Leafs have obviously got players like Austin Matthews who uh, who you can rely on, but uh, but. Uh, the way the NHL works and uh, the way that the salary cap is that you you inevitably are top loaded when you get uh, when you have good players on your team and uh, and then you've got the rest of the, the squad who aren't at the same level and it's just trying to get that maximize their their input and uh, and just try and distribute that scoring around the team are you um alternating goalies then is it one off, one in, because they Absolutely, both seem to yeah. have about played about the same number of games, haven't they? Yeah, well, I think Koskinen has uh, broken a record. So I think he won his first five or six games of the season, and it was the first time in franchise history, I believe. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, somebody, but uh, I think it was the first time in franchise history that a goalkeeper, has, a goaltender rather, has won their uh, their first six games of the season, which is great. Mike Smith, um, first couple of games looked shaky. Obviously, when you've got a puck playing goaltender, they're prone into a couple of errors and uh, that happened I sounded off on Twitter on one of the games that I was watching but he's really settled down so we seem to have two goaltenders that we can rely on and it's not the situation where a couple of years ago we had Cam Talbot playing ev- nearly every game uh, you know we're, we're, we're resting the goaltenders properly and and we can rely on the ones who are coming in to uh, to look after things so so really it's it's every everything about the team so far I'm satisfied with it's just that concern about the bottom six. It's interesting to say about the goalies because if we look at the bottom of the Pacific right now, which is really surprising, is San Jose Sharks. 
with nine points compared to your 21. You both played the same amount of games. You've won 10, they've won four. And the thing that, um, if I remember rightly, Rob, who we had on a couple of weeks ago, was pointing his finger at for San Jose was inconsistent goaltending um, and how important that is for a team. I mean, have you had a chance to kind of um, see what else is happening in your division? Have you been keeping an eye on who's uh, chipping at your heels? Not particularly, no. I think it's when when you're up there right at the top, you almost kind of just keep an eye on your own team and not what's coming up behind you, especially at this early stage of the season. I think you don't really get a sense of how, how the league is shaping up until about December into January time. So uh, so at the moment, I'm just satisfied with what we're doing so far, with the results that we're getting and uh, and look at looking up rather than down, which is uh, always a nice feeling as an Oilers fan, not something that we can do very often. But the, the point that you make about consistency of goaltending, it, it it's important because I think that run that we had to the playoffs a couple of years ago now is Cam Talbot was looking very much like the first choice goaltender that you'd been looking for. We hadn't had that at the Oilers for a long time. He dropped off and the team wasn't the same. And I think the two have to be linked. I think once you once the goaltender stops performing at that high level. Um, the rest of the team suffers as a result. So uh, so I think it is important. We've been lucky enough so far this season that the goaltending has been good. Is it a case of... Because you've got some pretty hefty competition. I mean, people would assume in the Pacific Division that Vegas, Calgary, San Jose would go through to the playoffs. But is it a sense for you that because of the situation with Leon and Connor, uh, because of the change to coaching and management, that if you don't make the playoffs, it is a bit a case of um, go bust, really. Absolutely. You've got to do it. Absolutely, because I think you're looking at a situation where if we don't make the playoffs this season, I wouldn't blame Conor McDavid if he came in and said, look, I need to go somebody somewhere where I can have a chance of winning. You've got the best player of a generation, arguably, who um, who doesn't who, who won't settle for just playing a regular season and no playoffs every year. And I don't think too many Oilers fans would uh, would blame him for doing that. So I think everybody realises that it's an important moment for the whole franchise, really. You've got a player like Conor McDavid it's it's a chance to build a dynasty really and um and, and i think everybody realizes that you have to up the game and and play to that level because you know you want a player like that on your team i wonder where he'd go like if he wasn't at oilers where would he fit nashville maybe i've no idea to be honest i guess it depends on uh, who's got the who's got the space to pay him and uh, and what and what they can give up in return um I guess Nashville would be an option. Um, I, I wonder if the league would be um, trying to engineer a situation where he went to one of the, the big markets on the, on the east, east Coast. That's just <laughs> me speaking. Yeah, but quite poten- <laughs> potentially, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't know, to be honest. But uh, yeah, it's a real fear for me because, you know, it, it's, it's a joy to watch him play, a player like that and some of the, some of the magic that he pulls out of thin air. You're just so grateful for him being on your team. So uh, long may it continue and uh, and hopefully we can get a winning run that, uh, that does him justice. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because having those players, those, those little shining stars when things are not going so well, you know, that, that's what's kind of... Anthony Mantha, for instance, has been someone who the Detroit Red Wings fans have kind of held on to as they kind of 
take a nosedive again at the moment, having those people are, are what make you kind of still want to keep watching. Because we know, like, being people who don't live in North America, it takes quite a lot of commitment to keep mm. on enjoying this sport, really. I mean, how, like... How much do you actually love it, Tom? Like, how far do you go? Because James writes about it, and I do a blooming podcast about it every week. But you also <laughs> like other sports, like football and stuff. So, how do you keep your passion for it? I think it's just um, it's a way. Obviously, I've got a lot of family in Canada. It's a way of that I can stay in touch with them. We talk about the games. We talk about the team. Um, but yeah, for me, it's uh, you know I'm not one of these people who stays up midweek for the three a.m. starts because uh, you know I've got a job to go to in the morning. But uh, but yeah, every weekend I tend to be you know getting up at three in the morning, watching it, um, discussing it with people, and 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 for me as well, you know I try and get over there for as for as many games as I can. So um, so I've been over the last two seasons. Well, I went to the European Games last se- last year, but but it's just um, it, it's been a great way for me to see a bit more of North. America I've watched them in cities all over North America and uh, and, and it's just been a, a you know a, a really great way to see a bit of the world to make new friends to to uh, really get into that that um, ethos of supporting the team so so it means a lot to me it's, it's something that I'm really passionate about and uh, and really I think we've been starved of success as a as, you know following a team year in year out and not really seeing them achieve much is uh, is a little bit demoralizing as I said I've started this season, well, I, I, I approach the season feeling more pessimistic than I ever have before. I'm normally the eternal optimist who thinks this is our year, but uh, but I was almost, you know, um, at a really low ebb at the start of this season. And, and they're pleasantly surprising me so far. And even though I've got my slight reservations, it's it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? It's, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the more they win, the more I think, oh, God, what's what, when's the crash going to happen? But uh but now you've just got to try and enjoy it while you can, haven't you? Well, because you, you're uh, in the throes, I hope, in the next few months of launching your Agony Aunt podcast. Absolutely, right? yeah. I actually just you need to record just one. For, but... <laughs> just do it for Oilers fans, right? Yeah, that would be it'd be a little bit niche, I think, but uh, but yeah, I think it'd certainly help a few people. Um, you know, in, in the dark times, maybe uh, offering some advice to people. So uh, yeah, there's an idea to store in the bank for for when we inevitably fall away. <laughs> you wouldn't want to do it for the least fans. It'd just be hate, just yeah. vitriol the whole time. Um, you mentioned about the European Games, and actually. Uh, We've mentioned in the past few weeks about these global series um, and we also talked last week about um, whether the NHL is right to kind of pursue things with China. Well, uh, NHL's out in Sweden this weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday, Buffalo Sabres and Tampa Bay Lightning uh, meet each other. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It doesn't really kind of jump out at me. I guess it's because my team hasn't been to play and do one of these games um but what kind of atmosphere is it when you go to these european fixtures like who goes yeah it's surreal because you you sort of you you, uh you walk around the arena and you see jerseys of every team and you're almost conditioned into thinking what on earth are you doing here wearing wearing that jersey but um (laughs) it's a strange atmosphere it's 
it's not really what I'd call the authentic NHL experience because, you know, having watched games in North America in various arenas, it was a, a slightly different atmosphere. But but what what was really surprising was to see how well the Oilers travelled almost, that the, the, um, the, the amount of fans in the arena wearing Oilers jerseys was was incredible and you know you even got a few chants of let's go Oilers ringing around the place um I think I think the, the best experience I had I went to Germany to see the pre-season game against the Cologne Sharks and then uh, the regular season game against uh, against New Jersey but it was the pre-season game in Germany that really you know was a unique experience for me because it was watching them play against a team that you don't normally see them play against which was interesting um having that you know the home fans there and just that european atmosphere with the chanting the singing and all the choreography that goes with that um so it was really interesting just to see the oilers coming into an into an environment such as that and and um and, and almost getting the the european hockey experience but watching your nhl team what do you mean by the european because I mean, I, I've been and watched hockey in in the UK, and we're noisy, we're rowdy. It's a bit like a football game sometimes, yeah. where everyone's doing the the singing and the chanting. But I mean, most of the time, I'd probably had a couple of pints of cider in me, and I was uh, I was I was forefront. I remember the first time I started a chant, and I was so terrified that no one was going to respond, and everyone did. I was never so relieved. But then when I go, the only NHL games I've been to have been Toronto Maple Leafs. And, you know, it's very business-like. Um, mm. So it, I, I kind of expected that. But I thought for other teams where there's that kind of passion that there would be some singing. But is that is that not the case? Yeah, I mean, the Cologne Sharks, they, they've got almost an ultra section. So they've got a standing section behind the behind the goal. Um, which you know you obviously don't see too much in uh, in a, well you don't see at all in NHL rinks, um, and then there was almost that choreography. You've got the guy at the front with the megaphone. You've got the chance where he shouts something, they shout something back, and then they all jump in unison. Um, so really, just choreographed. Um, atmosphere which is you know something that i'd i've watched a lot of football um in this country but uh but the it was an experience like the like of which i've never really seen before so that was why it really <laughs> that's right it really stood out to me just the atmosphere that they kicked up was uh was quite unique and um how do they yeah, do it a... all how can you watch the game hold your beer <laughs> sing and jump all at the same time. I think there's some people there who just aren't bothered about watching the game. They just come from a, for a sing and a dance. I think there's uh, <laughs> certainly the people who are the ringleaders of it spend most of the time with their backs to the action and actually just doing the choreography of it all, which is um, almost conducting the symphony, which is which is which is amazing to see. But uh, but yeah, I mean that one really stood out to me as probably the most unique experience I've I've ever had watching the Oilers. I've probably watched about twenty odd games in total. And um, and in many respects, that one was the most memorable. <laughs> that sounds like a hoot. Mm, wow. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, whilst we uh, are talking about things on a bit of a lighter note, um, let me bring in my NHL trivia um, because I've done some really boring and stupid facts over the last uh, couple of episodes. Uh, but fortunately, I've been relieved of that pressure and I've been sent two questions by... Uh, two of the people. So uh, let's see whether you guys know the answer. I mean, James is an absolute geek, so I've got high expectations <laughs> for you, frankly, James. Okay. Yeah. Simple one. Uh, although he, uh, this is sent by Brit Bolt, obviously a 
Tampa fan. Um, and he did apologise that it's a bit naff, uh, but what was the name of the Pittsburgh Penguins' original mascot? Oh, my God. Original mascot, Pittsburgh Penguins. And do you know what? I am such a nerd, I actually know this, because last wow. year I was that bored one Sunday that I went on Wikipedia and I wrote down the stories of all of the NHL mascots. <laughs> See, if you're not Carlton the Bear or Gritty, it's not on my radar. Well, basically, the original mascot for Pittsburgh Penguins was called Penguin Pete, and it was actually a real. Oh my God, I was going to say Pete as it well. It was a real life penguin from the Pittsburgh Zoo. <laughs> I was a re- oh man, back in like the '60s when they used to do all that stuff. It's <laughs> like when dolphins in the NFL used to have an actual dolphin. <laughs> okay, then the other question that we sent from Doug Farrell. Um, is this is what he said my favourite NHL trivia because it makes complete sense when you know the answer but also isn't what people are expecting it to be what pair of brothers hold the record for most total points by NHL player siblings I know this one (laughs) see so uh, it's not even a fair distribution is what he's saying so only four points were Brent's uh, and the rest were Wayne. Um, Then he kind of put some extra little details and I was asking um, uh, how many goals. Uh, So so, um, bless him. Brent got one goal and three assists compared to 894 goals. (laughs) It's just like, you'd just be like... God's sake, I'm not even buying you a Christmas present this year. Forget it. Um, <laughs> I also next... like the fact that Brent Gretzky tried to like wear the number that was half of Gretzky's because he used to wear number 49, which is the closest number you can get to half of 99. <laughs> was that the reason? Uh, I'm not sure if it was, but it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> You're making up your own trivia now. <laughs> no, he did. he definitely wore 49. What was the reason that Brent Gretzky wore the number 49? Sent in by James Reeve. Because he wishes he was half of his brother. Yeah. Um, uh, the Seddens were the, the next closest, apparently. Um, and, uh, 2,000, sorry, 111 points oh, compared wow, yeah, to 2,861. So... Um, I enjoy these weird little facts. Please send me some more. You can email us nhlfansfromafar at gmail.com or you can tweet us at nhlfansfromafar. Just don't tweet the answer. Just tweet the question and then you can DM me the answer so then people don't see what the answer is and cheats. Um, I'm impressed that you got one out of two. That's not bad, is it? Um, let's just look at... Go on, sorry. No, it's 50%. That's a good shooting average. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's better than the Leafs' uh, power play, that's for sure, which is like, what, 17%. Um, something a bit more serious then, and also just trying to get my head around this. So Winnipeg Jets versus Dustin Bufflin. I, I, I'm not really sure that I completely understand this situation. So he was hurt going to the playoffs. He then had ankle surgery, am I right? Then... Uh, he seemed to be fine over summer. They sort out a, a new contract, a deal, and then he misses training camp. And then now it turns out that, oh, um, he's got to have surgery, but 
they're kind of questioning over, well, when did you actually get this injury? Um, and now it's potentially going over to an arbitrator to settle money. Um, he's been going and paid at the moment, so it's not been a cap hit for the Jets. Um, but And he's missed $1.4 million. Um, but the situation is, can he play? Does he want to play with them? And do they still want him? I mean, I've just like really, I've I've been watching Tim and Sid. I've just watched a bit of Steve Dangle talking about it. What a mess. I mean, it seems to be that the Jets come up a lot in our talk about what's happening around the Leafs, but what an embarrassment. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one uh, with the Jets. Obviously, there was the Patrick Line and Carl Connor stuff in the summer, and then suddenly Bufflin might retire. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty over um, how hurt he was heading into the playoffs, whether he played through the injury or whether he was fine and then got injured later. Um, He's been seen in and around Winnipeg, um, just kind of like hanging out and stuff like that. Obviously, he's suspended without pay at the moment, so the Jets aren't aren't suffering cap-wise while he's not on their books, so to speak. Um, Then it's come out recently about this whole him needing to have surgery on it, on an ankle injury that the team didn't doesn't it seems like they don't really know when that occurred or when or for how long he had that and now yeah as you say um our, an arbitrator may have to get involved to try and sort out whatever is going on because it is just a weird situation overall Mm, it's like Rob um, put a message on our um, NHL fans from a fast Slack group, actually, and he just put, will he pay for him again? Pass. I got the impression Winnipeg was being as patient and helpful as possible, but then with the surgery being dropped on them too, I think there is some frustration there now. It's just such a weird, a weird situation. It's like, it's more in-out than the hokey-cokey. And there's a lot of money at stake, really, isn't there? And there's so much that of pressure on Winnipeg. A bit like you were saying, Tom, of like Edmonton need to just pull some results out of the deal. Winnipeg have got this very small window that they've been looking and they had that in the palm of their hands in the playoff run that they had um, this year. But whether they'll go forwards, um, who knows, right? Do you, I mean, have you kind of seen much about this Bufflin stuff, Tom? Have you? Yeah, it's it's one of those. It's a strange one, really. I think the Jets are. I've I've almost got a bit of a soft spot for the Jets. I think they're a very very similar market to Edmonton, and obviously it was it went a long time without a team, and uh, it meant a lot to them when they came back. And uh, one of the games that I've actually watched as a neutral in the past was uh, Jets at Toronto. Funnily enough, so uh, so I've seen them live, and you know, just one of those teams that I have a little bit of a soft spot for. I think it's, as you say, it's a strange situation. I think they described it as complicated at the uh, Heritage Classic last week. And um, I think it's certainly that. And I wonder if, um, as you say, there is a little bit of a, a sense that they might not want him anymore. Um, that, that they're trying to, you know, they're trying to work a situation where they can get rid of him. Similarly, from his point of view, if he is nearing retirement, is there a little, uh, is, is, is there some, some appetite from him to, to play some sort of game and, and end up in a scenario that's beneficial to him? 
Um, who knows? But yeah, it's a it's a it's a funny situation. Quite sad, really, because I think he's been one of those players that since the team returned to Winnipeg, he's been one of the real franchise players, one of the ever presents, and one of the big names that you associate with the team. So, so one really that I'd like to see sorted out, and um, and 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 hope it comes to a, a resolution that meets both parties, because it's 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 quite a sad situation, I think. Yeah, it's a crap way. Even if he is going to retire, it's a crap way to go out after that run with the team, as you say, of being like a franchise player. It's embarrassing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I think really nobody wants it to end that way because, you know, when he's been a player that's been important to that franchise, surely they want him to go out on a high um, rather than, you know, going through arbitration and and, and, and going, almost becoming a murky business. So, so yeah, I just really hope that they can sort it out. Mm. Um, so, quirky stories around the league. I'd be interested to know if you guys have seen anything at all. The one that caught my eye... Uh, was the anonymous barman at the TD Garden, who's now the pre-game anthem singer for the Bruins. I don't know if you saw this. His name's Todd. And, um, yeah, he ended up being a bit of a stand-in for a couple of games. And so he literally was there, like, putting his suit on, uh, went out, sang, and then he had to race back up the stairs to carry on serving the beers. Uh, (laughs) You know, it's like, it's crazy. And then all of a sudden, like, uh, the article that was on the NHL website was, like, following him through a night and people wanted their pictures taken with him. Um, and how he was like, oh, I'm, you know, I can take a quick photo, but I've got to get to the bar. The customers need their drinks. It's like, it's such a cute little story, really. So, <coughs> so cute and cool. I love stuff like that. Yeah, he's almost it. the emergency goaltender of uh, anthem singing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, the, um, oh, the other thing that I wonder whether, I don't know if you guys watch uh, either on Premier Sports or do you watch NHL Game Centre? How do you normally do it i do nhl game center you see yeah i've got uh, nhl game center but uh, premier sports seem to be showing a lot more of the oilers games this year so i'm watching a little bit more premier sports than i'd like to but uh but, <laughs> yeah the the thing that was catching me on the nhl game center i don't know if you saw this they've they've changed the um when there's a commercial break on and the, the it's like slow-mo of uh like um linesmen or whoever they are their feet as they're leveling the ice and they're spraying the ice and they're putting the tape out for the signs um have a look out for it you'll see what i mean when you actually watch it normally you just want to fast forward through those bits but i also want to fast forward through every time it promotes the nhl shop the fanatics experience which if i hear that one more time (laughs) god Last year, it was like those little dolls that they were promoting. And this year, it's that Fanatics experience. It's just that guy's voice. <laughs> the disappointing thing with the Fanatics store is they don't have like the full range for all of the teams either over here. So it's quite disappointing at times. <laughs> I think this, the, the strange thing for me about those adverts is what game are they watching? Because you've got people sitting there in a living room wearing about eight different teams' jerseys. It's like, what what game are you watching and why are you all wearing your jerseys? I don't know. Strange. What, it needs to be more targeted. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, well, normally, you think if you're watching a game, you're, you're either all wearing the same jersey or you've got a maximum of two jerseys. You only put up your <laughs> jersey when your own team's playing, surely. I don't know. Oh, I, see, but... I see what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just a way to kind of do generic marketing, isn't it? Let's yeah, face yeah. it. <laughs> um. What else? Is there been anything that's kind of caught 
your eyes around the league that you want to mention throw into the mix? Just the uh, the obsession these superstar players have with uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and how they're playing at the moment. Oh, what they keep poking at us, telling us to be different. Yeah, it's a bit strange. I mean, Ovechkin said something, Giroud said something, and now Drew Doughty said something. It's like, why are so many people focused on how the Leafs are doing? And why are, te- why are players getting asked about how the Leafs can improve? It's, it's kind of a strange line of questioning before a game, wouldn't you think? The problem is, as Mike Babcock said after Ovechkin did his thing last week, the reason it hurts is because it's right, James. Yeah, we're all just in pain perpetually, aren't we? Yeah, we are a mid-table team right now. and We're not worthy of kind of being at the top. We're, I don't think we're even in a playoff wildcard spot right now, or if we are, we're, we're clinging on. I mean, um, it's, it's disappointing. Kind of, it's kind of a disappointing start to the season for the Leafs, obviously missing a few players for injury. JT getting injured, things like that. But I mean, it's been more interesting to follow like Arizona and how Arizona has been doing because it's one of those like feel good stories of like, finally they're turning things around. Whereas like the Leafs have now gotten to a point where the expectation is they should be doing well and they're not. And it's kind of like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. It's boring, isn't it? It is boring. Um, Tom, who do you think is going to win the Stanley Cup this year? My pick before the season started was um, Vegas. Um, I don't know, I just felt like they'd, they'd had those impressive first couple of seasons in the league and they've been building a good team. Um, <coughs> not not quite up there at the moment, but uh, I don't know. I, I should say the Oilers, really, shouldn't I? Maybe we'll keep this going for the whole season and we'll... Uh, and we'll finally uh, reach our destiny at the end. I doubt it, though. I very much doubt it. I'm going to stick yeah. with Vegas. They'll they'll put a run together and they'll get up there. I'll stick we with say, Vegas. though, if you look at St. Louis Blues, this time last year, they were tanking. They then had to... They, at this point, they were getting a new coach, weren't they? Um, and then in January, they were at rock bottom of the league. So everybody kind of looks at that story and just thinks, well, anything's possible. Oh, I'm not going to curse anything. I'll stay pessimistic for the time being, I think, and uh, <laughs> I, I, res- I reserve the right to uh, to change my mind later on, but fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, you know, as I say, all I want is the Toronto Maple Leafs to just get through to the second bloody round. I don't <laughs> want much in life. Just get through to the second round. That will do me. Um, cool. Right. What what kind of games have you got coming up over the next week? I was just looking through Maple Leafs. Uh, they've got LA Kings. They're going on a California trip. So we've got four games, which is great for me because I've got loads of Leafs players in my fantasy team. So that'll help me. I've got loads more games to get more points. What have you got coming up? Um, uh- Tom. Yeah, we're on a bit of a homestand now. I think we've got Arizona tonight. Um, St. Louis, you mentioned, have we played St. Louis yet? We haven't, but we've got them on Wednesday. Um, and then New Jersey on Friday. So uh, a bit of a reunion with Taylor, Taylor Hall, maybe. So, mm. uh, yeah. Some good ones. Any any interesting meetups for Ottawa and Arizona, James? Uh, Arizona played Ottawa already this season, I think, actually. And I'm um, pretty sure Arizona won. Yep. 
So, but I mean, are there games that they've got coming up? Are there any kind of? Uh, so, you were saying Oilers and and Arizona yeah. could be an interesting one. Oh yeah, I mean, you've got like one of the highest scoring first lines in the entire league again, going up against one of the stingiest defenses in the entire league, <laughs> with a guy like Darcy Kemper who's literally in Vesna form once again. So. It's going to be really interesting to see who pulls out um, the points in that one. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, uh, it's uh, hopefully going to be another exciting week. I'm not sure I could cope with another 11 round penalty shootout, but that's uh, the Flyers and Leafs meet each other again next Saturday. What a way to tee up a Saturday night game for Leafs fans. Woo! Let's hopefully uh, get it done in regulation, though. I don't think I can go the whole <laughs> hog. It's too too much. Four hours. Four hours and 20 minutes is how long that game was to watch. Who has that amount of time? When you're watching three or four hockey games a week, for one of them to be four hours and 20 minutes, it's a long time, isn't it? I've got life to live, as you said, Tom. I've got a job. <laughs> Things to yeah, do. bonkers. Bonkers. <laughs> get it done in 60 minutes. Yeah, normally you allow yourself a maximum of three hours, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Four hours and twenty minutes, blimey! I'll be yeah. needing to get to bed. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, it's great to have you back, um, Tom. And yeah, uh, thanks for having be, me. Be interested to see where the Oilers uh, head over the next few weeks. Love to have you back later this season. Yeah, um, absolutely, and hope I can still be in a chipper mood about it. So uh, we'll see. <laughs> um, James, we'll catch up with you uh, next month. I think you're back to join us. And uh, yeah, let's hope by that point the Leafs' look is slightly turning and our yeah. defence may be back and uh, John Tavares' finger is feeling better. It's a terrible injury to have, isn't it? You've got a poorly finger. It's not very manly at all, is it? <laughs> no, not at all. So hopefully with uh, John Tavares' finger on the mend and the Leafs, uh, you know, enjoying their California trip, I'll be in a smiley mood next week. Uh, send me more trivia. I appreciate sending me more trivia. Email us and uh, tweet us and all that jazz. Otherwise, see you next week. Have a great one. Boom, that's it, guys. We're done. Mm. Hit stop.